Kia ora and welcome to the Have a Chat with Nat podcast, a fun and insightful look into the life of me, Nat Hugel, aka Lily Loka, actress, burlesque and drag artist, teacher and events manager. I'll be chatting about topical subjects, my experiences and opinions, as well as providing educational material for actors and creatives alike. I'll also be joined by the occasional guest from within the creative industries and we can share our experience and knowledge with you, our listeners. Hello my lovelies and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Have a Chat with Nat podcast. Um, I know it's been a hot minute and I've said that for the past couple of podcasts, but I'm going to say it here so that y'all can keep me accountable. I am going to put out a podcast every fortnight. I feel like that's a realistic goal that I can achieve. If I was to say a week or every couple of days, no, no, especially with my schedule. So I think that I'm going to do it every two weeks and I am going to have an upload. I'm not even going to say an upload day because I don't even know if I'll be able to commit to that because my schedule changes so much. So every two weeks, there'll be a new podcast and I'll let you know via my social media on Nat Hugel Creative uh, when that will be. So let's get into it. Uh, my podcast today, I felt really compelled to do a podcast on this. And you know when you get days where you just feel really compelled to do something or you just wake up and you're like, I need to do this thing. And then you almost get a bit tunnel visioned about having to do the thing. Today I woke up and I was I was originally going to do a podcast kind of just updating you all on uh, Pride, Big Gay Out, meeting Michelle Visage, ah, all of that kind of stuff, uh, which I think I still will do, but I felt really compelled to do this one. And this podcast is going to be about bisexuality. Now, the reason why I'm going to talk about this is because my journey with identifying as a bisexual and embracing my bisexualness has been... <laughs> internationally <laughs> talked about uh thanks to house of drag but it also i want to talk about bi erasure and not just bi erasure from other people but bi erasure internalized bi erasure because i very much had internalized bi erasure so i want to talk about that and kind of talk about my story and my history as a bisexual person and if you have any questions after this, feel free to hit me up on social media and stuff. I've talked about my bisexuality before and uh, I had a few messages from people saying that it really helped them with coming to terms with who they were and how they felt. So I kind of hope that this podcast, if you are, if you know that you're a queer person or you feel like you're a queer person who may identify as bi or even pan, then this may help you. Um, if you're closeted, if you're unsure if this is how you identify, uh, then and maybe it, you have your own internalized bi erasure, um, then I hope that this helps you. So, I guess the best place to start is in the beginning. In the beginning, Nat said. <laughs> um, so, I guess I always knew that I liked both men and women. And it started from a very young age. Uh, I had a crush on one of my friends um, and yeah, may have experimented a little, like very innocently, um, just like little kisses and stuff like that. Uh, 
just a just a prerequisite I'm going to be very open and honest here which is a little bit scary and although I don't owe anyone an explanation as to how I feel I just feel better getting it uh, talking about it and getting it off my chest and um you know I really want to be a champion for sort of bisexualness and embracing who you are as a queer person um and I feel like it's also it's kind of a bit of therapy for me because it helps me to kind of understand like to talk about it to kind of process it and um yeah anyway yeah so when I was little um had a friend a girl who I really really loved um and probably was a little bit obsessed with um got very jealous when they played with other girls um oh my god I can't even believe I'm saying I'm not gonna go too far into it but anyway there was a little bit of um there was a little bit of experimentation there very 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 um innocent and then I I kind of like I grew uh, my family is very heteronormative um they you know mum and a dad they haven't exhibited any sort of queer, you know, they've come from very straight-laced families, not really being exposed to queer culture or queer people. I did grow up with my cousin Lee, who is an incredible human, who was the only kind of gay person I knew. And it wasn't until I was about eight and a half or yeah, eight to nine years old. And my parents had fallen asleep in the lounge room and the Rocky Horror Picture Show was playing. And I saw, I just kind of watched with bewildered eyes. I was like, what is this? And I felt really drawn to it. And then there was, for those of you that haven't watched Rocky Horror, what are you doing? It is a cult classic. Please go and watch it. But if you, but if you have, you'll um, know the curtain scene where... Frankenfurter has a sexual encounter with both Brad and then Janet. So not together, but separately. And whew, you know, when you have your sexual awakening, you know, when you you get that little like in your like nether regions, you're like, hmm, oh, hello. That was mine. <laughs> that and Cruel Intentions. I watched Cruel Intentions. When I first watched that movie, I got it out at, I think my mum got it out for me at the video store and I don't know why I think we'd been talking about it at school or something and someone said that I you know they talked about the kissing scene and things like that and um I saw it and when there's that scene between the two chicks and um I can't even remember their name Neve no I can't remember the name of the actress anyway she was in um oh what do you call it a uh, scary movie and that was another like like oh hello and also is it Gia Gia with Angelina Jolie now I didn't actually know I, I it was another one of those things where it was on TV late at night and uh, I didn't I didn't get to watch the whole movie but I came across the sex scene in it and whoa <laughs> holy crap wow yeah that was uh that was definitely a defining moment in my uh sexual awakening so I kind of knew that I sort of felt a particular way about girls as well as guys and it wasn't until I sort of was going through puberty at about 12, 13, 14 that uh, those feelings started to really manifest into just more than a fantasy and it wasn't until then that I started to kind of question how what that meant for me Um, coming from hetero parents uh and only having 
you know, my gay cousin who we, I didn't have the balls to talk to about how I felt. And because he wasn't, he was a cis male or he is a cis male. I didn't really feel like I related to him and that how I felt, even though I felt a certain way about girls, I also felt about guys and I didn't really know. So it wasn't until, uh, I, my best friend at the time came out as gay. I remember the moment so clearly and we were, he was 16 and I was 14 and we were walking down the road and we'd had some, we'd had some cheap ass beer from somewhere like export gold or something. We were, we had a bit to drink. Yes, I was underage drinking. Don't at me. I'm pretty sure every one of us has done it. He said, now I have something to tell you in his inebriated state. And I turned to him and I said, are you gay? And he was like, what? And I was like, and he was like, how do you know? And I was like, honey, I've known for so long. Like, it's just like, I just, I just knew. And I kind of looked at his behavior in comparison to my cousins. And even though I didn't know a lot about gay people, I just kind of had this feeling that he was feeling a lot of deep turmoil and he had to kind of get something off his chest. And I kind of just, just blurted out, are you gay? And he was so worried about the judgment that he'd received from me. And I was like, honey, of course not. Like, I love you. You're my best friend. Like, it just it just didn't even and I guess just my cute little innocent mind didn't understand just how big of a moment this was for him because I don't he hadn't come out to his parents at that point and he had been having um sort of sexual encounters and stuff with guys sort of in the closet one of them actually happened to be my ex-boyfriend, <laughs> which I didn't find out until later on. Anyway, um, it then and then I kind of questioned my own sexuality again because I was like, oh, he's gay and he feels so happy. And I kind of feel this, I didn't feel, I, I, I just was curious and I didn't really know how I felt. It didn't trouble me so much, uh, but it, it definitely played on my mind. And especially when he came out, I was like, okay, well, here's someone who is really near and dear to me, who I see all the time and communicate with, who's come out as gay. So, you know, and I kind of, we bonded really closely um, because of that. And he knew how I kind of felt about girls. And then we had a close mutual friend who we'd hang out with and for the sake of this podcast I'm not going to be naming any names um because I don't really feel like it is necessary and uh it doesn't really add to the story necessarily to find out exactly who these people are so anyway we had this close mutual friend and uh we I don't even know how we started hooking up but we started hooking up and we just and it was just enjoyable and it was just a thing. We'd we'd hook up randomly, you know, sometimes we'd have drinks and, you know, we'd get handsy. Um, and this was a girl, by the way. And it just, it, that, that kind of relationship kind of continued from when I was about 14 to about 16, 17. Um, until, you know, as friendships do when you're younger, they kind of grow apart. And our kind of group ended up growing apart a bit. And then, so during that time, I was like, oh, well, you know, I, I just was like, oh, well, I, I really feel this way towards girls. And I had no judgment on myself. I was just like, I feel this way about guys. I feel this way about girls. And, you know, I kind of did a little bit of research and I was like, well, I kind of feel like I'm a bisexual person. I like male and female and that's what it is. And I was very content with uh, identifying as that. And I still identified as that 
right up until sort of my early, like mid twenties, <laughs> when I was finally legal to go out to clubs and stuff, I uh, worked at, do, y- do y'all remember like, this is showing my age, like Blockbuster and uh, there was a place called The Video Store, literally called The Video Store. And I worked at their um, East Auckland branch and my manager is gay and we would go out to family and we'd go as like, I don't know, just two, two, two queer people wanting to have a good time. And I don't know if it's just because I presented as straightish, <laughs> I don't know, but I never used to pull, never. Never. Well, mind you, neither of us never really used to pull because it was like we were there with each other. And although he was quite an exuberant, flamboyant queer, um, I was quite, I was like, we'd have like dance offs and stuff on the little ledge of the stage before it all got changed. You know, we'd have a good time, but neither of us ended up hooking up with anybody. Or at least I don't think so. He (laughs) might've. And yeah, I never used to pull. Never used to pull. I'd be very open to it, but I don't know, maybe I just looked really straight then. I probably kind of did, but I was very much like a, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, it was what it was. Let's fast forward to um, when I got together with Shane. So Shane is my husband. We've been married 11 years now, and I will name him because people know of him um, through social media and stuff. I try to keep, he's very anti social media, anti any of that. So I don't feature him on my social media much cause he likes his privacy and I need to respect that. We got together when I was about 20 and he is hetero, but like one of the most it's super open, super accepting, just super chill. He's a very chill person. People who have met Shane just like, oh, he's just so chill. And I'm like, yeah, he really is. He's just super chill. Really. uh, Yeah. He, sure. He's hetero, but he's not like, and he is white and he is cis, but he's not what the stereotype of a white cis male is in terms of how they judge or um, think about queer people. And I told him, and he knew from the very outset when we were together that I had these feelings towards women. And he was like, oh, you go do your thing. And that's been a thing from us from the very beginning. Uh, He's like, if you want to go hook up with someone, like another female, then go for gold. Like, that's cool. He's like, I'm not going to hinder or stop you from doing that. Um, He's just so trusting and so cool. And that's always been something that's just been agreed upon. So, um, coming, so we got married when I was 23 and he was, he's 10 years my senior, so he was 33 and it was a lovely wedding. Um, funnily enough, (laughs) funnily enough. So I was still an, I don't know, an active bisexual person. Um, so I'd had a couple of hookups, random hookups, uh, during our time together. And then we had a, well, I had a long-term relationship, I would say, a long-term sort of more sexual relationship with someone who was also a really good friend, but it was kind of like we had these beautiful little hookup moments and sleeping together and stuff right up until we got married, pretty much, Um, and that probably lasted about a year. And then we just kind of just, it didn't stop because I got married. It kind of just stopped because we just kind of ended up going our separate ways. 
and that was fine. Uh, I, ca- I kind of prefer things to be organic. Like I, and it almost felt like we got to this point where every time that we met up that we should hook up. And I just, it didn't sit right. I was just like, I'd really prefer for this to be organic. And it feels forced now. Like I still love hooking up with you and doing things with you. But it's, I just, I feel like we need to take a break from this. And she was like, yeah, cool. And it never ended up eventuating into anything more just because yeah it, it it just felt forced after a while and so I settled into married life and married life literally was no different than engaged life or dating life apart from the fact that I took Shane's last name and I took it because it was something that was important to him and um I was like yeah cool whatevs um have certain regrets about that now just because not not taking the last name necessarily but his name is um or my last name now is uh pronounced hugo but the german spelling is h u with a macron g e l which is hugel and what it means what it means is little hills so i was like oh my god like we're meant to be together because i have little boobs and they're my little hills so uh but it's kind of like you know when you have um his family, a third generation German, and when they came over here and when they put you down on the register, they didn't exactly do a great job of uh, getting your name right. And so they spelt it H-U-G-I-L-L. So, but a lot of the time people call me Hudgel. Hudgel. Why? <laughs> or Huggle. Um which is quite cute. It's quite cute, actually. I take quite a lot of pleasure watching people uh, try and pronounce my name. And they'll be like, Hugo? Hugo? And then the person that does get it right being like, Hugo, I'm like, yay! Ten points to Gryffindor! Uh, but anyway, I digress. Um, I took his last name, was where we were going with this. Yeah, we just, like, although it wasn't until... I still always identified as a bisexual person, didn't end up having any other kind of hookups and stuff. And that was not because I didn't want them. It just, they didn't eventuate. They didn't appear. Um, The situations just didn't really happen. So then we come to probably 2014, 15, 16. And that was really where I started to question my sexuality again and up until this point I never had a problem I never really had a I had no problem identifying as a bisexual person but it was here that I really started to I question my validity and my own and I really started to develop an internal sense of bi erasure and the reason why I think was because I hadn't because when I had my daughter in 2014 and then went through some personal growth and changes and things. Um, I hadn't hooked up with anyone for ages. I questioned my validity as a queer person and as a bisexual person because I looked back at all these relationships that I'd had with women and they'd all been sexually. They'd all been sexual relationships. They hadn't been dates or I hadn't been, I hadn't, I wasn't romantically attracted to them. Like, and that's not saying that I didn't like them at all. Like one of them was a really good friend of mine who I loved in a friendship sense, but I was really attracted to sexually. So I was real confused being like, okay, so am I, am I just a straight person with a, with a penchant, like with a kink for 
chicks. Like, am, do I, am I valid? Because I haven't actually dated someone. And that's kind of where this downward spiral started. Because I then stupidly, and I take full credit for this because I look back at it now and I'm like, you freaking knob. <laughs> you can't, you can't go from being a queer bisexual person to straight. I don't care what the reformed fucking Christians and whatever the fuck that, and end conversion therapy, please, please, please come on New Zealand, follow through. I don't care what anybody says. You can't go from being a queer person and identifying as that all your life to suddenly straight. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work. And, but, and it was all my fault. And I, and I recognize this and I understand this and I take full blame for myself and I feel a lot of shame and hum- I'm, I'm humiliated, to be fair, because I, I just kind of was like, I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't talk to any other queer people, which I should have done. And I'm a freaking knob for not, because had I been able to talk to some other queer person about how I was feeling, and then maybe I would have got a better understanding and shed more light on how I felt. And I just isolated myself even further by not talking to anybody and you know my husband's hetero and I talked to him about this and he was just like like he was like well I'm not I'm not queer so I don't really know how to go forward from how you feel like uh, your feelings are valid I guess but I don't really know what to say or what to you know do and I was the idiot who didn't go and talk to any other people. And I think also, like, I could have talked to my cousin about it. I could have talked to a few of my gay friends. But I didn't really know many bisexual people. And I was so, so afraid of judgment. I was so afraid of someone laughing at me being like, you're not queer. Like, what are you on about? Um, And... I was so scared of of being vulnerable that I didn't say anything. And so I kind of was like, well, I'm going to do the ultimate bi erasure and I must be straight. Maybe this whole bisexual thing was not a thing and maybe I'm just straight and that's just how I'm going to identify because I don't feel like I've got the kudos to be a queer person or identify as that. Um, and... I deeply regret not talking to anybody and I deeply regret regressing myself in such a fashion. So that was kind of how it was until 2019. 2019. Oh, um, if you can hear that kind of little windy thing, I'm sitting near the window and it's raining outside. So get a little bit of atmosphere, kind of a white noise going on in the background there, very relaxing. So yeah, we go to 2019 and obviously House of Drag comes along. You know, I, I and I've, I've covered this in another podcast um, as well, but I was performing drag and burlesque and performing burlesque and emceeing and doing my thing. And I thought, well, and I got in touch with Keita and Anita who I performed for many a time and we're good friends. And I was like, Hey, is house of drag purely for queer people? Like, cause if it is, I don't want to 
step on toes. Like I, I did my research team. I'm not, I'm not a fucking idiot. And they said, yeah, it's inclusive for everybody. We think you'd be fabulous. Apply. So I did. Um, and I got some, and I, you know, I would talk to some other queer people. Like I talked to Medulla and a few others who were like, do it, do it. You'd be great. Do it. So I did. And because I've kind of always been of the mentality that if you don't try, if you don't, if you don't try, what's the worst that can come out of it is a no. So, uh, and then Amanda, the producer got in touch with me a couple of days later, had my interview with her, um, via Skype. And then we had to go through a psychologist test, a psychiatric test, sorry. And then, yeah, got cast. And, um, we all kind of know if you've seen House of Drag season two, you kind of have an idea as to how things transpired in the house. Obviously, there were various different uh, things that were brought up in House of Drag. Uh, one of them was that Electra felt that I wasn't drag enough. Um, and, you know, they're allowed to think exactly what they like. My lovely Bionica kind of was like, I feel like there were other people who were more deserving. And she's totally. allowed to feel the way that she feels and cool sweet and um by the way we're going to do Bionica and I are going to do a podcast together on this channel uh so look out for that I'm not too sure when we're gonna do it but we will do it at some point very soon and the other one obviously was that I was a straight person coming into what some of the cast members had deemed a purely queer space and um that was obviously one of the big plot lines of my thing being there and me naively probably just didn't understand the gravitas of how much that would uh be such a um heavy (laughs) storyline I remember going into the house when we were intruders and I remember one of the cast members asking me are you queer and I said no I'm straight and then that was pretty much the beginning of the end there um we know that there's certain members of the house who felt very particular about me being a straight person in um, what they deemed a queer space, uh, even though I was told that it wasn't just a queer space. But the thing was, is that I was going through a real mental fucking time because I was like, well, I don't, and I'd been going through this for a little while, but it really, really came to a front because of House of Drag, was I didn't feel like the straight, like, stereotype that was being projected upon me. That was not who I was. And, but yet I had such bad erasure that I felt too scared, I guess, to, to come out into the open for fear of other people saying that I wasn't valid enough. Um, And by this stage, 14, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 18, 19. I hadn't hooked up with a chick for seven years. (laughs) Not for lack of trying, just because the opportunities didn't present themselves. And I'm kind of like one of those people that I really like organic opportunities I'm not I I would feel really awkward about going on to a dating app and hooking going and like meeting up for a hookup for me it it just feels weird I'd rather vibe with the person if it feels right regard whatever the circumstance is then we get into it um but 
yeah I just feel very awkward about that and that only further made me feel more and more uh less valid as a bi person and so I I'd really written into my head that I must be straight and I must be a straight person even though my feelings and how I felt about women um never went away um it's it's and and part yeah and as I said part of that is because I was very sexually attracted to women and but I had never dated one so that only then further made my feelings what they were yeah there was there was some things that happened in the house um I was sat down at one point by some of the cast members and told that I um when all the cameras were off and everything that um I shouldn't be there um and part of that was because they were like well this is a queer space and you're not queer so therefore you should fuck off but there was obviously other reasons as well because um you know and there was they were angry because Bionica who represented a minority um and who was queer got kicked out of the competition by me and even though it wasn't my fault I wasn't the person you know Keto and Anita we just happened to be in the bottom two um and I know why Alita put me there I know I know honey but uh the reason you know that only fueled the fire they're like okay so the straight person's come in and a queer person has been voted out of this queer space so it really didn't help and then there was also the thing uh that I wasn't drag enough and um I that was a horrible night for me I just cried and cried and cried and cried and cried and just to put a point across everybody except for probably Electra and Claire because I think they were pretty bomb proof um came away scarred from this uh from House of Drag um they experienced trauma of some kind and I can't speak on behalf of them because I don't know what their trauma is well you know I can't I can't give validity to that. And that's their own personal story that they need to talk about. But this is my end of the stick. So that's the only story that I can really talk about. Um, So I'm not trying to say that my story is more prolific or worse, or I got beaten with the stick more than them. That's not what this is about. This is just my experience. Yeah. Um, Anyway, continuing on. Um, And there was a... (sighs) It's all in the edit saying because that the next day um, when we'd filmed the confessionals, which were always at night, um, I ended up having a full-blown meltdown on camera and just cried and cried and cried because of the night before I'd been so emotionally. And, they, but the, you know, the, cast, the few cast members that sat me down were like, you need to go. And I just cried and cried and cried. And I was like, I'm not leaving because I still deserve to be here. I'd... Yeah, and I was really, and I and I guess I still felt like I should be there because I wasn't this straight person who they were trying to pick me as. I wasn't just, it doesn't help that I'm white and cis, um, but I'm that, that straight image of a ignorant, queer, not, not understanding queer culture or anything like that, it just, it, it was not me. And I knew that inside, but I didn't know how to project that and... <sighs> There's so many things that I could have done better and I, and I, and it's just annoying and I have a lot of shame and regret about what transpired, um, which is why I find it hard to talk about House of Drag, um, 
and I don't refer to it often. <laughs> um, apart from here, you know, where people are going to listen to it. The good thing about House of Drag is that it really made me sit down with how I felt about myself and really question how I felt. And the number one thing that it made me do was get help. So I talked to other people, other queer people. I made my feelings known. I publicly, like, like on my social media and stuff, I, I asked questions and I talked to a lot of other queer people and I told them my background and my story. And they're like, girl, you ain't straight. You ain't. You're bisexual. And one of my friends was like, you are bisexual. I don't fucking care who tells you what. You are valid and your bisexuality is valid. It doesn't matter that you haven't hooked up with someone for seven years. The way that you feel is still valid. And why do you have such bi-erasure against yourself? You're only doing yourself a disservice. And although I knew this to be true, I was like, well, like, you know, that little part of me was like, listen to what she's saying. This is legit. I still felt like, I wasn't truly bisexual because I had only had sexual relationships with women. Then one of my friends, Catherine, who I am going to name because it's thanks to her that everything changed for me. And I can't thank you enough, Catherine. Um, said to me, have you listened to this particular podcast? And I'll find what the podcast was called and link it for you in the show notes. And it basically talked about hetero romanticism. Now, if you've never heard that term before, it basically means hetero romantic. So I'm a cis female. So I'm in terms of hetero relationships, I would, you know, male and female, right? Um, or male or oh, female and male. So I have feelings and emotional needs and things that I get from a male. I've fallen in love with men. I have, you know, been heartbroken by men. I've dated men. Um, and that's just, and I've obviously had sex with men. <laughs> no, my child is the immaculate conception. <laughs> uh, but then, and she was like, this is a thing. This is a type of bisexuality. And have you listened to this? And I listened to it. And honest to fucking God, mate, like everything clicked. And I was like, holy fucking Jeez Louise, like this is, this is, you know, I don't know if any other people have had this, but you know, when you hear something or you listen to a podcast or you listen to a song or whatever, and it somehow just takes you, how you feel and it describes you so perfectly, that was this podcast. And I was like, and I automatically was like heterosexual, um, heteromanticism and typing out on my laptop being like, holy shit. And looking about it. And I was like, fuck, fuck, this is, this is me, this is who I, this is this, this is me, and I didn't know there was, it was, I didn't know it was a thing, it's a thing, and it was only then that I felt comfortable enough to call myself a bisexual person again, and I came out for the second time, um, after going into the closet and thinking that I was a straight person, which to now, oh my God, I'm such a fucking idiot. 
<laughs> we live and we learn, darling, in November of 2019. And it was such a beautiful time. But it was also a very weird time. Because House of Drag hadn't come out yet. And everybody in the drag community knew who I was. And knew... And knew the label that I had now been associated with, which was Straight Chick. And, you know, I'd performed in a drag wars and they were like, and there was people who made it very obvious that I shouldn't be there, um, that I'm intruding on queer space. And I was going through this journey of kind of self-acceptance and coming to terms with my sexuality. And then... And the thing was, is that because of NDAs, I wasn't able to talk about it really publicly. I couldn't, I couldn't address it. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a really difficult time for me because all I wanted to do when I sort of found out was shout from the rooftops. And because I I still came out, but I wasn't able to talk about my um, experience in House of Drag and how I'd identified as a straight person, how humiliated I was and what I had done and the lack of knowledge that I had and the lack of basically research and what I and I should have talked to more people and whatever have you. So I came out in November and I think some people may have seen it as a bit of a stunt. Um, I don't know. No one said it to my face, but I almost, you know, my anxious brain was sitting there going, maybe people think that I'm changing to bisexuality so that when the show comes out then I look less of a fucking idiot but the fact was is that I'd always been bisexual and the problem with reality tv is that you don't get the full picture of a person's history and I knew that uh, regardless of what the edits were going to do I was going to be painted as this straight chick and people's perception queer people's perception of a hetero straight person is um not great and that and I didn't identify with that but that's I knew how things were probably going to be projected and so it made me feel better to come out and just once I figured out who I was and how I identified and that my bisexuality was valid and um I basically the moral of the and then obviously House of Drag came out and then I got a lot of hate from people being like you know, you're intruding on queer space and a lot of random people who had never added me before, but purely came to me to tell me that I was a horrible, terrible person who clearly hadn't gone out of their way to see whether I was a bisexual person or not. They'd just taken what they'd perceived from the television and then projected how they felt onto me. And that hurt. Um, and then I felt like, I was consistently having to prove myself that I'm a bisexual person and that this is how I feel and I've always been this way and it's not a stunt and I'm not just flipping the coins that I come off looking less bad. Um, Yeah, it was a bit of a shit show. And then um, things calmed down and things are good now and uh, relationships have been repaired. um, But... Yeah, it's it. It was a bit of a messy time, and I I just regret that that had my sexuality had to be called into question so much. And um, and you know I'm still very much a believer that drag is for everybody, and that anybody can do drag so long as you do your history, which I knew my history anyway. So long as you respect um 
the cultures in which drag is really prevalent, um, including queer, queer culture, uh, then all goods. Um, but also be mindful of taking queer space as well. Um, but that's not to say that allies and stuff aren't accepted. Um, and yeah, I also find it highly ironic that um, the vo- challenge that I was voted out in, I was dressing a cis white female who was straight <laughs> into drag. And, um, you know, the irony of that was not uh, lost on me. And they had the time of their lives and it was great and it was wonderful. So now is obviously March 2021. I identify as bisexual and to be super specific, I'm a heteroromantic bisexual. Now that's not to say that if the opportunity came along where I do feel romantically inclined towards a woman, cool. I'm not, I'm totally open to that. I'm not against that. I haven't written that off as like, well, never be in love with a woman. Yeah, it just, I'm, I'm happy. I had my first pride in 2000, uh, in 2020, where I was like a born again bisexual. Um, and it was beautiful. And I just felt so happy and I just felt so at peace with myself. And I'm really glad that House of Drag happened for me and the fact that it made me come to terms and realize who I really was, who I really am. And, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for that despite everything else. It's been so special and especially this Pride too. it was crazy busy, um, but it was so beautiful to celebrate. Just see, it's such a beautiful celebration of Pride, um, people being authentically themselves and, yeah, fuck, it's just so cool, and we're so blessed, we were so blessed, holy macaroni, to be able to do this in New Zealand, um, when, you know, I think Auckland Pride was the only queer festival happening at that time in the world, um, Big Gay Out was the biggest gay day that had happened for the queer community, uh, anywhere in the world that year, uh, so yeah, it was just, it was wicked, but moral of the story here, And maybe some things you can take away from this is be authentically you and don't let anybody, including, most importantly, including yourself from being authentically who you are. Nobody, nobody has the right to be able to tell you who you are. The only person who has that right is yourself. And It doesn't matter in terms of sexuality, and let's take bisexuality, for example. If you've only ever fantasized, if you're a cis female like myself, if you've only fantasized about kissing girls, if you've only had crushes on girls from afar, and if you identify as bisexual, that's totally 100% valid, babe. And don't get in the way of you living an authentic life. Yeah, I just... I hope maybe this is like for anybody out there who is struggling with their validity as a bisexual person or just in terms of their queer identity in any way, no matter how you um, identify, I hope that you can take away from this is just be authentic and be true to yourself because until you are true to yourself, it's always going to be bubbling. It's like a little cesspit inside of you that's always bubbling away and it's never going to go away until you address it. And I've been very, very privileged 
I 110% uh, know that I am incredibly privileged that my family and friends and are super accepting and super lovely and I've had nothing but um, love and appreciation from them. I know that there are queer youth and people out there whose families have not been anywhere near as accepting as mine. So I 100% understand that. And I've been very, very lucky. Um, I know that there are those out there who really struggle with their families, have had to cut ties with families. And, you know, it's, it's, it's such a shame because there are so many stories like that. And there's people who I know who don't talk to their mum or dad or family or have been disowned or, you know, because they, I, they chose to be authentic to themselves rather than live a lie. And that is courage. That is strength amongst, that it's just, it blows my mind that we're still, that we're in 2021 and it, this is still happening. We have so far to go. We have so far to go. And there's been examples of that. There was examples that at, at um, the Pride March with Chanel and those horrible Bible bashers who are out there telling queer youth and people who were at the march that living their authentic selves was a sin. I just, it's like, you know, I, I remember at Pride, um, at the beginning of the Pride March up in Albert Park, where we all met in 2020, before the COVID happened, um, that there was some dude standing there with manga hats, make America great again, aka Trump. And standing there looking like fucking idiots. But they stood there because they had a purpose. And their purpose was to tell us, essentially, just by being there, that we're not okay, apparently, according to them. And, um, yeah, I, I'm and working with organizations like NEHIV and being the entertainment manager for Big Gay Out. It's been so wonderful. And it really helps me to... It's it's really given me a sense of purpose within the community and made me feel involved and um, makes me feel like I'm really giving back in a really meaningful way. Uh, so yeah, that's all I really have to say about it. Any questions that you have, if you want to talk about what you've listened to in the podcast or anything like that, then please do get in touch with me. I love to hear from you. Uh, if you found this meaningful or it resonated with you in a way, get in touch. I love to chat. You can find me at Nat Hugel Creative on Instagram and Facebook. So pop me a holla of there. You can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, Spotify. So go and follow your girl. It would mean the world to me if you could subscribe. And if you're feeling rather generous, feel free to leave a little five-star review. That all helps with gaining traction. As I said, I am going to post every couple of weeks, so please do make sure that you stay tuned. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you here in another couple of weeks. Much love to you. 